It is the weirdest looking robot, man. I'm telling you. They could program them to watch employees while they're working from home. Yeah, but look at the size of it. <laughs> it's down low. It'll be looking up at them and that, that'll get you other lawsuits. Yeah. Excellent, and we're live. We're recording the Runtime Reverie Christmas Special 2023. Hey. Welcome all. Hey, everyone. We have here Mr. Vincent joining us from Korea. We've got uh, Hot Take Patrick <laughs> joining us from Melbourne, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Craig here as always. Welcome to the Hi. last pod for the year. Holy crap. I think um, we've done a few of these now. That's interesting. I didn't think we'd go this long, but um, apparently people want to hear us talk about <laughs> random stuff. This is great. Yeah. I heard they really like the Hot Takes, so, you know. I think it's all about the hot takes, Pat. <laughs> Actually, that's what we should do. We'll, we'll, th- that's what this episode might be. Let's just do hot takes for 2024. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, constrained to our... Con- constrained to... Technology. That'll be filled up just by Patrick on his own. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't get us banned on any platforms, please. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them PC. But hey, uh, big news this last last couple of weeks. Uh, I presume you guys all saw the uh, the news about the Figma deal being scattered. Yep. Uh, what did you think of all that? Craig, what, what, what was your take on it? See, when it was first announced, I'm going, ah, oh, that sucks because I like Figma. All right. <laughs> and it wasn't Adobe product. So, you know, I was a bit disappointed there. But when it got cancelled, I'm also a bit annoyed as well. So, yeah, you know, sometimes you just can't be pleased. So, problem I had with yep. it was that it's one of the main avenues, like if you're doing a startup and you're trying to build something new, right? One of the reasons people invest in it is you get bought out by a much bigger company with huge bank account, right? That's one of the exit strategies you've got. By having all of these different entities, you know, whether it be in the US or Europe or it doesn't matter where you're based anymore, vetoing whatever merger you've got, that avenue is almost gone these days if you get to a certain size. So, I don't know. I think it's actually going to have the reverse effect. Instead of encouraging competition, it's probably going to have the opposite. It's going to starve a lot of uh, startup businesses of funds who want actually a highly accelerated roadmap. So, hmm. but isn't Figma? Aren't they profitable? Why can't they just IPO themselves? Oh, they can, and and they probably will have to have a look at all of those sorts of things. But you know, when they were initially going right, they got investment capital on that. And one of those giant paydays for those investors, because they took the risk on this, was to be bought out or an IPO, right? So they're one of twos, but now you've only got one, right? So you've taken down a couple options and at multiple points along the way, like you've got to be of a certain magnitude to be an IPO of worthiness. Uh, It's probably, it could be that, but it could also just be a pure numbers game. So Pat, look, if... uh, if they merge with Adobe, then Figma can be distributed through all the Adobe channels. Adobe has a much, much larger customer base. And then the potential of Figma, and hence its profit and future value, is much greater than if maybe they were trying to do it by themselves. So you could see a scenario yeah. where the sale is worth more than the IPO. But the Figma product might suffer from, from that. Like I, I didn't have high hopes of Figma being as awesome in five years under 
Adobe stewardship, and they said that they weren't really going to. That's fu- like, that's future crystal ball gazing. That's like for the people who are yeah. buying it now, right? For them to pick out what the future is going to be look like, right? But the the problem, the knock on effect of not allowing a merger or buyout or an acquisition, all those sorts, is that. In the earlier stages, when you're investing in it, your guess is that you could be bought out by an Adobe, yeah. right? So that would be high on yeah, their radar. You're talking about the you're talking about the money. I'm talking about the product. Like I care about the product. I don't really. If care you don't get paid, you don't make the product. That, so you, that's why you take the investment money to get that off the ground. Uh, I just don't agree. That's just one way of doing building companies. Like you know, Adobe IPO'd and. They're doing great. Yeah, but so, yeah, but you're like a, a software guy, right? But if you're going to get investment, you don't get it from another software product person, right? Normally, you you get it from you know. It would have just looked at the numbers. It would have just been worth more for Adobe to buy it. Right now, if they had an IPO, I guarantee you they would not get twenty billion dollars. No, no, my point is, who cares about who cares about the worth? Like, who cares about those VCs getting the most maximum return? The VCs do, the and guess who's making the decision? Yeah, and and then but I don't care about those people. Yeah, but the, but you you do when they say, well, we can't invest in it because we're not going to get the buyout, right? Because then you don't actually have any investment into your company to give it a long enough roadmap to make something of value. No, but they'll just have to adjust. That they'll still invest in things that they think is worth investing, and they just won't get that as high a return. They're, they're still they're not going to oh shut up shop, sorry VC sucks now. Like they're still going to do it. Hmm. The, the big takeaway for me was actually a, a different angle here. This is um, for any new new business or new startup. Every time they create a nexus in a new location, a new locality, a new country, this is now a big concern. So if Figma did not have an office in London or wherever it was, it would have been somewhere over there, um, they wouldn't have had, had this problem, right? And it was because they made that decision to have a nexus, a business nexus, a place of operation, over there in that jurisdiction, they are now subject to those EU or whatever European. Whatever I think I think it's not even that loose. Like, um, like even if they didn't have an office, if they accepted funds or put it out in euros or something like that. No, no, no. it's just because they had a nexus. It's it's simply because they had a nexus in that locality that they were subject to the, the rules. If Figma did not have it, they would not be subject to the, that. Um, regulatory. So I think every new business is now going to think twice about, you know, opening up a new nexus and a new, new locality. I, I think you can look over time, all right, and see and see the trajectory where that will play no part, right? So, like, um, look, we in Australia we only recently added on that, you know, in, imports. If you buy anything from overseas, you you'll have to pay tax, right? So they leverage leverage that against your Ebays and your Amazons and your big retailers that they have to collect the tax on those sorts of things. That never used to be the case, right? But they do now. The US has never been afraid to interfere in other countries' um, affairs. So if we were here in Australia and we were selling stuff in the US, they would impose their regulations on us or they'd say you can't do trade here. No, but if you were to go and sell your business, they couldn't tell you what to do yeah. and they couldn't say no. I, I, I'm not sure that would actually apply. I reckon if they decided that they didn't like it, they would, they would have a few words to say. No, they, had no, they have no jurisdiction. They can't go to another country and say this other country's business can't yeah. do something. Bearing in mind. They can only do it if you have a business. You have to have an entity in their, in their country. Because yeah. you can see like Europe's gone 
all in on this sort of, you know, let's interfere in American companies, um, acquisitions and mergers. You know, you can see that with Microsoft. And because they all have offices over yeah. there. That's but why. you can also see that with, with China and stuff as well, that they're starting to watch that and see how that goes too. So you, you start getting segmented markets, right, which is, again, another reason to look hard at what you're sort of building and how you're going to do it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Next one. What is this about an Apple Watch recall? Craig, fill us in. What happened? Yes. They lost the lawsuit on one bit of functionality on the Apple Watch and they can't sell it. So if you jump on the Apple website now, you can't buy an Apple Watch for Christmas. What? Why? Um, I think that's only in the US, isn't it? Or is that in Australia? No, it was a, it was an international ruling as well because it was a uh, an international patent, I thought. So it was like a... Yeah, but they were hoping to actually re, you know, allow the sales and things to continue while they sort of sorted out like what the remedial action would be to the patent holders. And uh, the answer was no. Stop selling it now. Huh. So I heard that the, it's only Apple because Apple have their own stores that they're, they're not allowed to sell it, and I guess and not online as well. But I think other real retailers were. But they would Apple wouldn't be able to sell it to other retailers, right? So it all comes through Apple. So the answer is no. No, no, but that's what I that's what I heard. Like, if you go to Best Buy, or yeah, if they've got stock, you could probably still grab it from them. But um, no, you can't you can't buy it from Apple. And so, if Best Buy runs out, they're not getting any new ones. That's it. It's so this is while they're trying to figure out what happened with the people. Yeah, well, they know uh, Apple's lost that lawsuit there, right? So oh, so that it was actually infringement. They, there was some. Yeah, issue. yeah. So, and I'm not even sure what part of the functionality it was or what, what health sensor part, but it was apparently hardware and software based. So it's not like, so initially they thought they could just send out a software update, get around the patent issues and things, but looks like the answer is no. So uh, you're not getting an Apple Watch right, for Christmas, I mean. <laughs> there we go. That's our Christmas update. No Apple Watches for anyone. Thank you. <laughs> I heard they were waiting for the, hoping that Biden would help, um, would make it go away. He can do like an executive order to make it to go away. And apparently Obama did one with the iPhone four or something like that. But I don't know if they just sort of played the gamble wrong or. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't think so. Like there's the, the, the hardest part for me is there's so many patent rules and so many patents on so many different things that if you independently came up with something, you'd infringe it. It'd be, it's hard to tell sometimes the tech stuff and it's a, it's a cottage industry of its own of just grabbing patents, suing people. And I'm sure that's not the case in this one, but, you know, how, how do you know when you're infringing and not? It's actually really difficult to tell. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, there are software engineers, if anyone's um, interested in patents, there are software engineers who specialize in reviewing code to figure out if something is infringed on something else. That's what they do. That's, that's their whole job. In fact, there are companies that get hired to do just that. Companies of engineers, and their job is to analyze code and see if A is like B. But you know, the problem is that you're going to find out that everything that you come up with, any idea is already done somewhere else, and then like, you're not going to move forward. You're never going to be able to yeah. build anything. Like, <laughs> like whatever you create, it's always be, always somewhere it's been done. Not really. And that's why I get all not the time. Really. Yeah, like whenever I, whenever I create a game, Always somebody tells me, yeah, there's this, this other game that looks like it. Like, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, this is like an endless rabbit hole of nuance. It's complicated. Yeah. Um, that, 
that's why sometimes when you want to create stuff, something new, uh, like you kind of have to ignore like everything that comes around, like kind of shield yourself, build your own thing, and then you come up with something that's kind of useless or already exists, but that's fine. Yeah. Just move forward with it. The same with music, right? <laughs> like, you know, God, that sounds like that one. No, let's sue mm -hmm. them. And then you go, and then you listen and you go, is it or isn't it? You know, they go, I'm not a professional, but I can't tell. Uh, Here's the thing with music, you know, like when you create something, like even uh, if you just come up with, with it on your own, like you kind of heard music in the past that influenced it and then somehow you come up with something that seems like it's new, but uh, there's some part that, that came that's from right. somewhere. And you could say the, you could you say the same thing it. for any other art, right? You could say the same thing for, yeah. you know, in, anything you write, anything you paint, any code you write, yeah. maybe. Maybe you saw some other code that was sort of like this. Um, Already code. Yeah, which is interesting, right? This, this, this touches on another subject that's pertinent, which is uh, how do you deal with copyright infringement for anything that these um, uh, new LLMs or any of these large sort of AI models are generating. They're all, they're all generating stuff based on what they've seen. Well, the, the, what I've uh, heard is that the, a couple of court cases, I think, have ruled that the, they, they can't, copyright can't be held against that stuff. It's basically, you didn't really create it almost, and so there's just no, you have no rights to it. I think it's still... I, I think it's still new and a thousand lawsuits still to come. I, I, that, that's it. I think there'll be a thousand lawsuits and it'll get fought over for the next few years and then we'll get to some sort of uh, understanding. Yeah, like the initial ones of just, hey, you trained all your models on my copyrighted info, you know, that they're, they're starting to flash out and, you know, they seem like an, an obvious path of you probably shouldn't be doing that. Um, but then you're going, what do you do with the derivatives and then stuff look like it and, yeah. Um, and especially if you enable those uh, LLMs to learn off web content and yeah, it just gets harder and harder. So it'll be a race towards with lawyers looking for something new to um, earn a buck from uh, versus engineers finding new ways to train models and generate new content. And yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be a few years yet. Interesting. Hey, I want to get to this next topic. Tell me about Astro and not Astro, the JavaScript framework. But Astro, the amazing Amazon robot. Uh, I think then you might right. have some insight. Tell, tell me what's happening in the world of Astro, the Amazon robot. Yeah. So for for context, um, I used to work at Amazon uh, in a team called called Astro. I mean, it's called something else, but uh, the product that we came up with is called Astro, and it's basically a little home robot that roams around the house, and uh, it's powered by Alexa. You can ask it. Alexa question, but it also it's kind of like a little bit cute, you know. It has yeah. eyes, and then you can ask. I just I just looked at the picture. Dance. It's it's like so, an uh, iPod on a vacuum cleaner, an iPad. <laughs> you know, like we're, there's many things that we've called it. I think that you've you managed to find <laughs> the worst way to describe it. I don't does it does it vacuum your house? Uh, does it clean your house? Is it with them? No, it doesn't vacuum. Doesn't, does it doesn't get vacuum, you drinks no. from the fridge? It does if somebody puts the drinks on it, and then you can say like, uh, "Okay, the, you put the drink on Astro, and you say, oh, fetch it to Craig, and it's gonna move him around.'" So is that that a little hole? Is that the hole yeah. I'm looking at in the back of it? So it's like a big wheel, and then there's like a a little back bit. So there's like a hole. Yeah, has a big wheel. Yeah, and a and a little space on the back where you can put uh, drinks. You can also put your phone. Char uh, you can also charge your phone with Astro. I don't know why like, <laughs> they decided to have that, but 
Yeah. Like they have a little charger on the back where you can charge. So what happened? Did this thing go commercial? Did it get released? I mean, it's been released for a while for home, but on a kind of a invi- invite only basis. Okay. And uh, it's been getting uh, some traction, but uh, it's not that much. But one of the recent moves that uh, they made with Astro is that they they're gonna sell it to businesses. So it's no longer a little nice little uh, cute robot that uh, you know that fun for the kids. It's more or less like um, some kind of surveillance surveillance um, yeah. system for businesses. So it's going to do security. It's going to roam around checking out, you know, movement and activity yeah. around the warehouse. Yeah, when like when you uh, leave your business, you leave Astro on its own, and then it's gonna. Get up to mischief. <laughs> the base customer is now the 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 burglars that come into the. There's a new the model f- coming out with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have you know the ac- the thing on the back is meant for accessories, so you can put anything in there. And I think people were thinking at some point to put um, like you know, like those, those nerf gun <laughs> thingy, <laughs> like that. That's for fun, right? But you know, you can easily see like a little, <laughs> uh, like a laser or something. But, you know, the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, when uh, now I'm currently in Korea and uh, I've been going to uh, my local restaurants and it does have like those things, you know, actually at these two local restaurants that I'm going to, they have a um, big robot that looks exactly like Astro, except that it's uh, big, it it has enough uh, shelves to put plates and drinks on it. And, yeah. and basically what it's used for is that you're a customer, you sit down on your table, and there's a little robot that comes in and serves you drinks. Yeah, yeah. we have seen them a lot. Awesome. There's many restaurants here in Melbourne. Those yeah. Now. Oh, in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, well? many of them. Many. Over the last couple of years, yeah. they're sort of everywhere. And they're okay. <laughs> they're sort of cute. Well, Sometimes they have interesting I, expressions and stuff. But. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that useful for now, but I mean, it's kind of interesting. And then perhaps like, I can feel like maybe Astro is kind of like catching up to uh, other countries who already have uh, those kind of things. Like, yeah, kind of like yeah. Korea, they, they have. Okay, those, but these are all those, like you, robots. If you look at the domain of security, these are all useless. No, they're not. If you're doing security, I'd yeah. want to have something like um, the Boston Dynamics Atlas or Spot running around. Yeah, no, no, that's just because they scare you more. Um, I mean, but, no, if you had yeah. like a shopping center, I know that um, you know there's a lot of robots in shopping centers that. You know, at night they clean the floors. Mm-hmm. You know, so they'll just go through and wash the floors every night. You know, so as soon as the shopping center shuts, the robots will start coming out, and if things are in their way, they get a bit, you know, bolted up and stuff. But you, you would have these as like generic tasks, so that if you had a scanning attachment on it and, and you could program it to do certain things to check certain compliance items, then uh, it could yeah. work. It could work. But, Are you talking about underpaid teenagers or they're actually robots? No, they're actual robots. Yeah. They're really expensive robots. <laughs> they're much yeah. expensive than teenagers. <laughs> it would be cheaper to, to hire some teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Speaking of um, teenagers, did you see the minimum wage in the US is going up? What is it now? Uh, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I know last time it went up was in 2019. I think it varies state to state, by the way, but then there's also like a federal minimum wage, something like that. Um, but it, last time it went up was 2019. Guess why it's going up now? It's going up because it's indexed to inflation. I had no idea. Yeah. 
So the teenagers might be a bit more expensive. Maybe the robots will, you know, get to contend for yeah for work time. The, I don't know. There, there was this whole idea that uh, you know, once robot kind of take over, then we 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 can have more money to uh, distribute work to more interesting tasks. But uh, it doesn't seem to be happening. It was the same with computers, you know. Yeah, I've been saying that for like over a hundred years. So. Yeah. Never quite yeah. happened. Yeah. John Stuart Mill used to yeah. talk about that. So. I mean, the thing is, like, we use robots now to to do things like uh, creating art or creating music, creating images. Like, robots are taking all the creative jobs, and we're left with uh, all the, the the rest. manual like, drudgery. If anything, it's the opposite. Yeah, right? manual drudgery. Yeah, yeah that, that's an interesting it's, observation. Then we always backwards. thought computers would do the drudgery, robots would do the drudgery, and humans would do the creative stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're realizing creativity might not be what we think it is. Um, I don't know. I think it would just raise the floor for creativity. If you look at Netflix, a lot of that stuff could have been written by a robot. So that sort of stuff would just become a commodity. And so I just don't think that stuff's really that creative. And so then to to be um, seen outside that, to raise above that, you just humans will just have to um, really excel more. So yeah, because you know there's, there's there's already words used for derivative, copycat. You know humans have already already do that. So if that's if that's what these generative AI models are doing. It's sort of just doing the same the same purpose. You know, maybe you raise a maybe a good point here. Like perhaps because of the AI, like coming up with like crappy work works, uh, humans are gonna make an effort to be a little bit better than that, and finally we're gonna get uh, original work. For, yeah, that's um, the films and uh, yeah. that's the irony. I think that's if, the hope. if you start using AI and your for your job, that just becomes the standard. So then it doesn't mean anything. So that that that's sort yeah. of. So then, okay, what what else can you bring? What ec extra can you bring? Because if I'm coding, and if I um, if everyone's using Copilot, well, well, everyone's using it, mm -hmm. so that doesn't mean anything. Are you any good at your job? You know, should you be paid very well? Well, anyone can use Copilot, so yeah. See, I'm looking at it slightly differently for next year because. I'm looking at designing an app at the moment, right? And so you're looking at what's out there and design systems rule because, you know, it makes everything super drag and droppy, you know, for engineers. And But then they, everything just starts to look the same, right? And then you go and look on every other app and it all looks the same. So if you want to build an app that is better than someone else, you want to do more, right? You want to be creative, busting out of that mold of everything looks like a Volkswagen, right? So how do you do that and you go well we've got a lot of ai generative tools that can actually help us do other stuff but then when you start to looking at like generating icons right they look cool right but they're only going to be cool for a short period of time because all the cool things all look the same all right that are generated by ai and so you're leaning back now into the designers to going hey stop doing the design system nonsense and working out, well, how is my login form going to look? You know, I can tell you how it's going to look. No matter how much time you spend on it, it's always going to look roughly the same. You know, the UX flows are going to be the same. And even my generated icons are going to look pretty similar. So, you know, I'm getting back to design, leaning more towards art again, rather than the other way around. 
And you need to do that in order to be creative, in order to actually have a commercial edge to actually make the app worth building. I think this is just such an interesting idea and space because I'm really worried creativity is going to be delegated and I don't think it can be because I think the the thing humans add to it is not just looking at previous patterns and guessing something else. There's there's something, something extra there that humans add. And there's, there's like a step, an insight, a, a leap that they make that makes makes novel new ideas. And I haven't seen machines do that yet. Um, I might be wrong. I no, I, I think uh, it's true. And I think the, the thing that is missing from machine is uh, the emotional connection. Like humans, they create something and then they create something new because they want to surprise people. They want to think like... Uh, they want to shock people or surprise them or delight them. Uh, and robots don't have this concept of, I don't know, making people excited. They don't, they don't even have the concept of caring about somebody's emotion. So then, like, I don't know, like, it's going to be long ways before they can actually create, make anything creative in a, in a way that, like, they purposely uh, create a human emotion for someone, I don't know. That's my thinking. Awesome. Okay, so let's wrap it up with hot takes for 2024. What's going to happen next year? Any crazy ideas? Crazy predictions? Crazy predictions. Other than, you know, a whole bunch of other new startups are going to get swallowed by the next thing that OpenAI releases. Uh, Who's wants to go first? I have an idea, but I don't know. (laughs) I have one idea. It's not for next year, but you know, I've always thought in my mind, like, okay, uh, in terms of like cool things that come up in in the human progress, like we've had like computers, and then later we had the internet, and then we had robots. What is the next thing, right? And I always thought for some reason that the next thing is communication with animals. And I was thinking, like, wow, if we can actually like make uh, start having communication with animals. And maybe maybe it goes both ways, so they can learn and become more intelligent, and we can have like developed societies where we mix human and animals. And I don't know, like that's like very far fetched like uh, idea, but I thought like eventually we're gonna reach some point because what is next after we have robots everywhere, right? Like, yeah, you, you don't you you don't want to hear what that cat thinks of him. Yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I don't know if you'll find the conversation very interesting. (laughs) It would be very interesting. It turns out they're just saying food, food, food. (laughs) I think uh, animals, if they were able to communicate with humans, they would evolve beyond that. And uh, they would stop being cute. (laughs) Yeah, interesting. There's that that concept of, you know, people, um, you know, if we met aliens, how would we know we'd even be able to talk to them? You go, forget the aliens can't even talk to the animals on the planet all around us. Not one other species, you know. Yeah. So, um, but that's that's just proves any internet conversation that it always ends up at either Hitler or aliens. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you know those internet conversations aren't started by aliens? Uh, get, they're robots. Yeah, the aliens are robots. Yeah, the first ones we'll meet will be uh, AI based. <laughs> 
Uh, All right. Anybody has a, a more crazy take than this? Or, I don't know. More crazy take. Okay. So we, we heard we heard animals. Okay. Next one. Next crazy take. Anything? Pat, come on. You're you're the king of hot takes. Something. I can't think of anything. I, someone asked what they, Wes Boss asked, you know, what they thought would be a big trend. I said HTML custom elements. So I don't think that's going to be uh, rock your world. I think they will be become more mainstream. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I can top Vincent's. Uh, prediction. It, it was a bit out there, like <laughs> maybe my monkeys using HTML custom elements because we can talk to them. <laughs> okay, so, so my my hot take for next year, I think we're going to have uh, an incredible amount of inflation, much more than anyone ever expected. I think that's going to result in uh, the bubble being exploded again, and we're going to, in the world of tech, see a lot more crappy, unrealistic, irrational uh, business activity. You mean more than Twitter? More than Twitter? More. Much, much more. Much, much more. Because things are going to be worked, like, it, it's just going to get even more out of hand with uh, ridiculous valuations, ridiculous, like, up, down, all, all sorts of volatility. It's going to be volatile like crazy. And then you'll see businesses uh, exist that shouldn't much more uh, and it's just going to be incredibly volatile. And, um, you know, the what we've seen so far is probably just the, the tip of the iceberg. So, uh, Armin, how come your predictions are always uh, very, like, dystopian? Uh, <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> is that dystopian, right? It's just yeah, a correction. Or pessimistic, I, yeah. I, I think realistic, but yeah, okay. Realistic, it's not okay. dystopian. It's just yeah. a correction, right? Because it's just... Okay, so I, I, let, let me... Anecdotal evidence, you know, here here in Australia, the government's claiming that um, inflation's whatever six percent, five percent, some some nonsense, and um, yeah, you know, my my expenses seem to go up by about twenty five to thirty percent year on year all the time. Insurance came in last, you know, I think two days ago, thirty percent up. Uh, all my bills in that order, thirty percent year on year, every bill. And all your tax refunds went down. That's partly companies just being greedy, isn't it? They're just taking. No, 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 I think it's just everything costing more. People costing more, materials costing more, everything costs more. It's just what inflation does, and it's it's horrible. But um, you know, I literally had this conversation with them yesterday. Hey, my um, my insurance excess is going up. My insured amount is going down. Both of these things should reduce my premium. Yet my premium has gone up thirty <laughs> percent. If they hadn't tweaked those other things, the premium probably would have gone. I don't know what the insurance company said in return. Suck it. That, that's pretty much exactly what they said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. uh, because it's, it's all going up. Everything's going up everywhere. Gonna, the impact of that on business is going to be interesting because people are going to still put money in something and they're going to start getting like risky, risk on, right? And they're going to start betting on random businesses you've never heard of that probably shouldn't be viable, but they'll start buying that. You know those IPOs, those shares, those things—they'll buy them, and then they'll, they'll, you'll get more and more bubbles, and they'll go up, and they may pop, and it'll be more volatility. That's my take for twenty-four. All right, I'll give you—I'll give you a tech take All right. then. All right, sure. Um, I reckon you'll start to see the emergence of jobs changing. All right, so engineers will become take over more product stuff and kick out a lot of the product sort of things of doing it. It just is, doesn't make yeah. sense. And product people will be booted off to the side to do more higher level product work. 
right? Because at the moment they've, they've been stretched too far low where they're making Jira tickets and other bits and pieces and sprint planning and go, no, nick off, go and do product things. And engineers will become more into the product space. That's a really interesting take, Craig, because the last time something like this happened, we had software test engineers sort of uh, get sidelined and pushed out of the ecosystem and be replaced by software engineers. Software engineers took over that that space. Yeah, and I've, I've noticed the, the similar thing. Yeah, and you, you see product people who actually are really technical are kind of rareish, right? And the barrier to entry to being a product person is lower than the barrier of entry to being a good engineer right so you'll find that there's a lot of really smart engineers who actually pick up being product people pretty easily right but so they are taking on more and more of that responsibility and you can see it sort of informally but you'll start to see a, a more formal sort of transition and then but that should free up the product people to not being such a, a low uh, rung on the ladder just doing the boring old stuff that they do day in day out and testing everything a b testing it Stuff that shouldn't be even tested, just do it because you know it's right. They should be up a level trying to do a lot more in that market space of what to do, where to go, you know, where really good product people currently live anyway. Um, so it will be that alignment changing. What do you mean by product people? Because often in orgs, aren't the product people, what we call product people, they're just seen as part of like the tech part of the orgs. So, like, what? Yeah, no, look, most, most of the time you would have um, product people working alongside engineers and those sorts of things, you know, because they don't know. So how what do you mean by, what do you mean by like a product manager? Or? Yeah, so someone who will actually de define what a new feature actually is going to look like, how it's going to work and operate, you know, those sorts of things. I mean, the last time I saw that sort of one was a business requirements analysis, you know, this, mm -hmm. this sort of mer merge into become product people. Um, yes. They still exist. Software test people still exist. You know, those other roles will still exist, but you'll start to see software engineering sort of evolve to be product engineering. If that's a word, I don't. Does product engineering even actually exist as a job role yet? It's on my website. So, that's what I call myself. <laughs> Interesting. Well, there you have it. Hot takes for 24. Let's wrap this up. Thanks everyone for joining us this year. This has been a phenomenal year with uh, lots of interesting activity and we're all looking forward to 24. So see you all then and uh, till then, see you later, bye. Now on, we're always recording. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we'll get one of those Amazon, um, whatever the hell it was called, Astros, and they will just, just record us as we yeah. turn around. Yeah, we'll that's just, what it does. It, it keeps just, recording as you walk around. I just walk around the house and I go, oh, I'll take it, and I can just tell it to the robot and it'll record it. <laughs> it is the weirdest looking robot, man. I'm telling you. I'm looking. You know, if they're selling them to businesses, you know what businesses could do? They could program them to watch employees while they're working from home. Yeah, but look at the size of it. <laughs> it's down low. It'll be looking up at them, and that, that'll get you other lawsuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah you imagine you're in a and shopping centre, and it's programmed to make sure that the whole shopping centre is kept clean, and, and it just all of a sudden, 
you're in the you're in the bathrooms and you're looking around seeing this thing with two eyes on an iPad. <laughs> how long do you reckon until that's booted up against the wall? Well, how long until somebody takes it and just takes it home? Yeah. Just yeah. Well, then you would find out because it has camera. So yeah, it's self-regulated uh, in terms of like in terms of theft. You yeah. know. Okay. Did you guys build in a reset button? I bet you you built in a hardware reset button. You, yeah. I, I, oh yeah. No, no, yeah, it, 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 it goes to the Wi-Fi, not, I guess. You know, no the, one's the ever recording. stolen anything with tracking on it before. <laughs> yeah. Okay, excellent. 